This is a special U.S. election theme offer for our podcast listeners. Subscribe to The Spectator, 10 weeks for the price of one, plus a theme commemorative Spectator mug with Joe Biden and Donald Trump's mug on it. Be sure to get in now before it's gone. Spectator.co.uk forward slash USA. Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. As of Thursday, public worship in the churches of Britain is banned. Boris Johnson communicated this, though he didn't really spell it out, on Saturday when he announced the second lockdown. When he said that churches would remain open for private prayer, he meant that they would not be open for public worship. Yet there is no evidence whatsoever that attending a socially distanced church service spreads the coronavirus. And this time round, in sharp contrast to the last lockdown, the Catholic bishops of England and Wales are not buying it. The Archbishop of Westminster, Cardinal Nichols, and the Archbishop of Liverpool, Archbishop McMahon, have written to the government saying, where's the evidence? Therefore, at the moment at least, we find ourselves in a situation in which the clergy of this country, certainly in the Catholic Church at the moment, won't be disobeying their bishops by keeping their churches open for public worship, even if they have to disguise what they're doing. And that's precisely what is going to be happening in a number of parishes, perhaps a large number of parishes in the Catholic Church and, I suspect, also in the Church of England. I spoke yesterday to Father David Palmer, a Catholic priest of the Ordinariate, who runs an ordinary parish, that is, not an ordinariate parish, in Nottingham. He's prepared to be arrested, to go to jail, rather than deny the sacraments to his parishioners, and that includes the sacrament of the Eucharist. He will be celebrating Mass for them on Sunday. As a priest of the ordinariate, he is a former Anglican priest, and he hopes that his Anglican colleagues will follow his example in defying what he regards and I regard as an absolutely preposterous and disturbing ban. One which cannot be justified even if, like me, you think the government's taken the right decision in announcing this second lockdown. Let's go straight into our conversation. But I was rather surprised by the Catholic bishops' apparent change of heart, because during the last lockdown, they seemed only too eager, embarrassingly and painfully eager, to fall in with whatever the government suggested and even offered to tighten the restrictions. This time round, they're asking what I think they should have asked last time round, which is show us the evidence that going to church is dangerous, that going to church spreads the coronavirus. And so far as I'm aware, there is no evidence. Are you struck by the difference in the attitude of the bishops this time round? I am struck and very pleased with the difference in the attitudes. I, I suppose there could be a couple of possible re- reasons for the change. One, perhaps, is that the bishops have seen how much the Catholics faithful have been suffering and how badly they want the sacraments. I think also, of course, we are in a different situation. You know, to give some credit, perhaps, possible <laughs> to the bishops the first time around, is we really didn't know what we were dealing with. I mean, would people turn up to Mass and, and drop dead, you know, as a result? We now know much better what we're dealing with. We know it's a nasty disease, but it's not the Black Death. 
We also have precautions brought into masses now, advised by Public Health England, so people are sanitising their hands on the way in, people are wearing masks, they're socially distanced, the churches are disinfected after each mass. They're the same sort of procedures that they have in hospitals, and we've got them at mass. So quite clearly, I think the situation is different. But I think also the the latest desire for the bishops to actually stand up for the faith, I, I think, probably made a difference as well. You refer to the laity's desire, and what I picked up last time round, and up to a point even now, was the laity's anger at what they saw was a terrible failure of leadership by the bishops of England and Wales during the last crisis. It always seemed as if the the bishops were keen to close as many services as possible, and they went along with this ridiculous ruling that churches should not be open for private prayer. In fact, they may even have proposed it themselves. Churches yeah. will be open for private prayer this time round, won't they? That's been explicitly stated. Yes. But nonetheless, there'll be no public mass next Sunday. And mm-hmm. I wondered how you're going to cope with that in your parish. And if you could just tell me a little bit about your parish to start with, that, that would be useful. Okay, yes. Um, so my parish is Nottingham. Although I'm a priest of the Ordinariate, it's actually a diocesan parish that I'm looking after. I've got two churches in the parish, but the, the one that I'm, I'm based at is in the middle of pretty central Nottingham, a big student area. So we have lots of students who come to Mass uh, as well as a mixture of other people. You know, we've got lots of different races and cultures. I mean, Nottingham is a typical multicultural city. And what will happen on Sunday? Right. Well, I've been saying for a while to people that I have no intention of withholding the sacraments from people, for which I've been overwhelmed by the support that I've had, again, primarily from laity. But what what I'm planning to do is I actually, I don't want to use the word loophole, but the churches can be open for individual prayer. What individual prayer is hasn't exactly been clarified, but the Mass is the highest prayer of the church and it's a prayer that priests are encouraged to pray daily so well when the church is open for individual prayer some people might be saying their rosaries or, or sitting quietly my individual prayer will be at a side altar to pray the mass if some people in the church want to join in individually and personally they can but that would be my individual prayer and then after i've finished the mass those who wish to receive communion individually can come forward and do so and then after that we just have the church open for another hour as people continue individually praying and are there other priests who are planning to exploit this loophole as you put it i think quite accurately well i've I've certainly had one that's told me definitely he's going to do that i'm aware of other priests who have every intention of one way or another carrying on some of course are going to do it very quietly, but I just felt that at least some of us need to make more of a public statement. Quite a lot will depend on the attitude of an individual bishop, won't it? Because I would imagine that this would be what you're suggesting would be absolutely fine in Shrewsbury Diocese and Portsmouth Diocese, whose two bishops, Mark Davis and Philip Egan, have, I think, beginning to show a degree of leadership that we've been waiting for on this subject. But there are other dioceses where the, the bishops are less imaginative. And what we really are talking about is something imaginative. It's, it's almost like a sort of missionary endeavour, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not, going, it's not playing by the rule book. And if there's one thing I know about the bishops of England and Wales, it's that they do like to play by the rule book. Um, yes, I mean, my, my fundamental argument, if, if the government was able to show why it's deadly to go to Mass, fair enough, but they can't, I'm pretty certain they won't be able to do that because I don't believe it's true. 
And then, obviously, I suppose I would be put in a difficult position, or any priest would, if their bishop was to point blank command that they weren't to do this. But I, I think I, I can argue that what I am doing is an individual prayer. Yes. Um, and, and the idea that 30 people can sit in church quietly saying their individual prayers, and that's safe, but you can't have 30 people sitting in church attending Mass because that's not safe. It's just ludicrous. And ultimately, the salvation of souls has to take priority. I mean, you know, the, the saints and martyrs of this land have given their lives over and over again in order to receive the sacraments and, and attend Mass. And I think we're called to the same bar, really. Well, priest friends of mine made the same point that you just have. During the first lockdown, they felt that the salvation of souls, which is the central concern of any Catholic priest, really had taken a back seat in an alarming way to the point yes. where people were denied the sacraments as they were dying. And yeah. I, th I yeah. think I'm pretty sure I remember how angry you were, Father, at this yes. situation, this state of affairs. Yes, I was. Um, I mean, and thankfully, in the end, in, in, in our diocese, the hospital decided the priest could go in um, to anoint the dying. So it, was the um, hospital. it was the hospital rather than the church that sorted out the situation. Well, I mean, I'd I, 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 I be careful here. I'm not entirely sure of the details, but certainly the hospital decided that the pastoral care of its patients actually mattered and wasn't an optional. Um, and so pretty quickly we were being invited to go in. But that, that was done in consultation with the church. But I mean, to the extent, like, we weren't allowed to baptise people. And in fact, again, this time round, again, baptism is officially not allowed. And now for Catholics... Baptism isn't just a, a nice little ceremony. It's kind of entrance into eternal life. It, it's, it's not optional. And so I'm not going to refuse to baptise a child. I'm not going to refuse to hear someone's confession. I'm not going to refuse to give communion to someone who asks. And in fact, Cardinal Sarah has just recently said that a priest cannot be stopped from giving communion or hearing confessions. And so I have no intention of not doing those things if requested by someone for them. And supposing, and supposing the government or even your bishop tries to stop you? Um, well, from a government point of view, I'd, I'd certainly be willing to be arrested if it came to that. I don't want to be arrested, but I would be willing to be arrested because I think we have to say quite clearly that, that the worship of God is not non-essential, that the sacraments are not non-essential, that for Catholics these are the most essential things that give our lives meaning and purpose, um, and we're not willing just to give them up again. <laughs> We did it once, but now we're going back the same way, and it's not, no, we can't do it. We, we have to say no. People will be saying, um, with some justification, or oh, holy smokes, being all Catholic again. Of course, you do have considerable experience of the Church of England, don't you? You are a Church of England. In fact, I'm right in saying, I think that you are Evangelical Church of England to start with. I, I was to start with, yes, yes. I Charismatic was, um, Evangelical Church of England. Charismatic Evangelical, St. Mark's Chillingham, where the Alpha Course kind of originally started there before the curate moved to Holy Trinity. So yes, no, I'm, I'm right in the end. And uh, you're a married yeah. man. Yes, I'm a married so, man. And then, I, and then I kind of, as time went on, I went more, I suppose, Anglo-Catholic as time went on. Yeah. But I, yes, my... My foundations was very much evangelical, charismatic. Yeah. The, re the reason I'm asking is, this situation poses similar problems for the Church of England, doesn't it? Yes. Yes and no. It depends, you know, if, if you're more of this sort of low church evangelical wing, it's not quite as crucial because your focus is, you know, the word and preaching, and which, of course, you can do if you have to over the internet, over Zoom. It's not ideal, but it, it's not quite so crucial. But for those in the Church of England who have a more sacramental understanding, They've got exactly the same problem, yes. And I was actually very pleased 
to notice today that the Bishop of London, whose name I forget, Sarah, somebody? Sarah Mullally. Yes, thank you. Um, she has actually made a statement, which I mean, she says that when she speaks to ministers today, she's going to make the point that the sacraments aren't unessential. So uh, although I might disagree as to validity or not, anyone that's going to be pushing the government to say, actually, the church matters to people and the sacraments matter, uh, has my full support. We need as many of us as possible to make that clear. Because the fact that Boris Johnson didn't even bother in his announcement, he didn't even bother mentioning that they were going to shut down places of worship. That was just in the sort of government website thing. You know, we're so low down in their thinking of the government that you think, well, actually, we need to make them realise that for millions and millions of the people in this country, this stuff matters. And we're doing it safely. We're, we've, we've been exemplary in the way that we're conducting our public worship in complete accordance with everything we've been asked to do. I do not believe for a second that any of these growth in the virus comes from the church. No, so, nor you know, do I. In fact, I, I, I'd be, I'm, I'm not aware of a single death that can be ascribed to church attendance. Are you? No, no, no I'm not. No. The, the other thing I want to ask you is, you talk about 30 people. Now, yeah. what happens if more than 30 people turn up for your private prayer that is a mass? <laughs> well, I mean, I say 30, uh, that, was, that was a slight pull back, yeah. Just like uh, Mass, we have socially distanced, so we have only certain queues can be used and so on. And if they are full, then other people can't come in. It's that simple. Um, at the moment, for Masses, we have an online booking system run by the diocese. So when the Mass is full, socially distanced full, that is, it's shown up as being full. Unfortunately, I suspect that the diocesan system will be taken down if the government goes ahead, which means we're going to have to sort of turn people away at the door, I suppose. But um, how, will, how, yes, how in practice would it be taken down? It will disappear from the website? Well, yeah, they won't have any um, masses open for booking, basically, um, because there'll be no masses. But, but before we had that system, people just emailed me or texted me, said they wanted to come to mass. So when we, you know, when we first reopened, that's before the system came. Uh, but, but this is the craziness of the thing, because if the church is open for individual prayer, that's no safer than being open for mass. I, it just—it makes absolutely no sense at all. I mean, there's no. It's complete nonsense. I, I, I couldn't agree more. If we could finish by talking about the wider picture, which I think is very alarming for both the Church of England and the Catholic Church in this country. Church attendance is declining sharply anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing that stopped it falling off a cliff in this country for the Catholics has been immigration. We know that people haven't returned to church in the same numbers as they did, although I don't think the consequences of the first lockdown were quite as disastrous as they might have been. But now we have a second lockdown, and that will reinforce the habit of not going to church on Sundays. And once that happens, then it's all over in a way, isn't it? I don't mean all over in a spiritual sense or in terms of the eternal survival of the church, but all over in terms of the everyday functioning of an Episcopal church with parishes? Um, In some ways, I'm actually quite gratified how many people have come back. Although I have to say I've picked up people from other parishes as well that hadn't opened very quickly. So because I was one of the first churches open in Nottingham, some people started coming here from other parishes and carried on coming. But, um, But I think this is why it's so important that we fight this, because the Sunday obligation, I'm not sure we'll ever get that back, because we've told people... For months now, but it's not really an obligation. And that's why it's so important the church fights and says that the sacraments matter. Because if we're seen again just to go, oh, that's fine, you don't need the sacraments, 
But why is anyone going to bother coming back? If the church itself, which has always claimed that this is the source and summit of our faith, this is the bread of immortality, and suddenly, oh, it doesn't matter, we don't need it. Well, why should anyone take it seriously if even the church and the bishops and the priests, if, even, if, even if we are not going to fight for it, why should anyone else take it seriously? You said that you're picking up some worshippers from other parishes that haven't been quick to reopen. Certainly yeah. I've noticed this around the country. The useless parish priest has really taken advantage of the lockdown to be even more useless. And in a way, I think that this crisis, and it's a very, very serious crisis, is separating the wheat from the chaff. We can kind of see who the good priests or vicars or pastors or whatever are and distinguish them from those who are just sort of coasting along. And and that's also interesting. That's also true in terms of the faithful as well. And I've been quite fascinated by who were back straight away and who I haven't seen Uh, and... Oddly, it's not some of the people that I thought would be back haven't been, and some of those that I thought perhaps wouldn't have been. So I think it's separating the the wheat from the chaff on all sorts of levels, not just in terms of the priests, although it is, but also in terms of the faithful, who the faith really matters to them, uh, and those clearly who don't find it quite so important after all. Well, if I could just suggest, and I think this would apply to the Church of England as well, if this dreadful year has identified those priests who are natural leaders. And I'm going to, this is not flattery when I say I think you're one of them, Father, because we've never actually met, but I've been very aware of your presence. And it's interesting that you're a member of the Ordinariate and that, what, four or five of the most dynamic priests in the country belong to the Ordinariate, which is a body that the bishops of England and Wales have done there absolute best to handicap and I hope perhaps this, this this might have opened their eyes but my feeling is that the natural imaginative spirit-filled leaders in the churches having been identified by this crisis have now got to seize the initiative because you must know by now father that you cannot rely on the bishops to carry things forward. Um. And yeah, the problem I mean, is, if you, if you comment, you might get sanctioned. This is the awful thing. Yeah, uh, yes, I know. I've yeah, had so many priests say, I cannot comment, because yeah, they're worried yeah. about what their bishop might say. Yeah. Now, we've acknowledged yeah. that the bishops of England and Wales have done the right thing this time around yeah. by writing to the government to complain, but the basic yeah. problem remains, which is one of dreadful institutional inertia, <coughs> lack of imagination, lack of attention to detail, lack of organisation... I think the problem. I think the problem is is that the church wants. Well, any any sort of organisation sort of, is sort of self replicating, isn't it? And I don't think the church as a whole has been wanting prophetic voices. They want to kind of keep their head down. They don't want people that might challenge or upset the apple cart. And, and that's where we've been for quite a while. But the problem with that is is that the people of God do want prophetic voices. And so there's a kind of disconnect, I think, between the sort of managerial understanding of leadership and what people actually want, which which is people that are that are prophets. And I don't quite know what the answer is, but maybe God will sift the weeds himself. Yes, maybe he will, but uh, I think he'll he'll need some assistance. All I can say is, go for it, Father. Thank you for talking to me, and let's see where we are in a year's time. It'd be very interesting. Okay.